morning's readings from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. John 20, and beginning at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned to him and cried out, Master. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Let's pray together. Somebody came up to me just before the service started um, and, uh, and gave me this envelope and it says F-T-A-O Richard Boo. That means for the attention of, in case uh, you didn't know Richard and, and I opened it and uh, it's an Easter card. And uh, guess what it says inside? <laughs> it says, funnily enough, happy Easter. Happy Easter. That's uh, the greeting that many people uh, will give to you today as, uh, as you meet people. They'll say to you, Happy Easter. But as I was uh, thinking and uh, reflecting and, uh, and kind of reliving the events of that first eve, Easter morning, uh, if you were here with us on Friday, some of you might know where, we were, where we're going with this. Uh, I realised that it wasn't a happy Easter for everybody that first Easter morning. And uh, it certainly wasn't a a happy Easter uh, for Mary Magdalene as she made her way up to the tomb that first Sunday morning. And uh, we're going to hear something of uh, Mary's story now. Hardly awoke, we made our way to the tomb 
the events of the Friday still fresh in our minds with suffering and pain, the death, it it was almost too much to bear. As we climbed the hill, only the song of birds breached the silence. In those few minutes before we reached the tomb, the earth held its breath. We looked at each other, aware of the intensity, nips prickling. Something was about to happen, or had it already happened? Even the natural orders, sun, sky and hills, seemed awestruck, stunned. Golgotha has changed. Grief had drained into the gullies and all the pain of that dread day had been washed into the valley. The stones cleansed with light. And then there we were before the tomb. But the tomb was empty. And it was open and, and a hundred thoughts filled my mind all at once. Confusion mixed with grief and a sense of loss. And yet a strange emotion that I am on the edge of something almost too wonderful to grasp. The sun is shining in my eyes, which prevents me from being able to focus on all that is before me. Then I realise it's not the sun at all, but a strange radiance before me. From a man dressed in brilliant white. I say a man because at this point I feel I am losing touch with reality and, and it feels like a dream. And the man looked more like an angel. Not that I have ever seen an angel. I realize this does not make any sense, but that what we saw. We ran from the tomb, fear and excitement, my heart beating faster than I am running. I come to a halt, not far from the tomb. There's somebody there. Thinking he was a gardener, I asked him if he knew who had moved the body. (laughs) How foolish it all seems now. How can I measure the incandescent splendor that radiated from his face or recapture the joy, the tremble of exquisite, unspeakable bliss, the sound of his voice, when he turned and said to me, Mary. And as my mind tried desperately to catch up with my eye, what my eyes are seeing, and I opened my mouth to speak the name that I said, so many times before, but never thought I would ever say again, Master. And he tells, and then he, he's telling me not to hold on to him, but to go and tell the others. I run back to tell the others, but of course they could not believe. They had not seen what I had seen. They had not heard his voice call out their name. I left them and sat outside on the steps and waited for my heart to stop racing. And then the deep joy that had filled my heart spilled out into laughter that shook my whole body at the joy that will be theirs soon. Yes, on that uh, first Easter Sunday morning, uh, there was no sunrise 
service at six o'clock where the disciples gathered to uh, celebrate and, uh, and praise God. Mary and the other women were going expecting to find a tomb and a dead body. Uh, just in case you wonder, uh, we did actually see the sunrise. Uh, first time in living memory, I believe. Uh, but it was there. It was there. But there was no sunrise service on that first uh, Easter morning. As one uh, commenter says, he says, the women obviously weren't expecting it. They weren't going to the tomb saying to themselves, well, we've got these spices in case he's still dead, but let's hope he's alive again. They knew well enough that dead people remained dead. Not a happy Easter for Mary. Not a happy Easter for Mary until... She meets the risen Jesus. And then there is that moment. That moment that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That moment of ridiculousness. That moment of nonsense. That moment when Mary's life would have changed forever. When she discovered the fact that God had raised Jesus from the grave. Nobody expected the resurrection. And a sad day, a mournful day, a grief-filled day is suddenly turned into the most joyful day ever as the truth and the reality of the resurrection starts to seep into Mary's mind. She dashes back to tell the others. And who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to tell people that Jesus is alive? I'm sure that each one of us today is going to rush out of this church, run down the streets and greet the first person we meet and say, Jesus is alive! Aren't we? Maybe it isn't a happy Easter for us unless we've actually met the risen Jesus Christ. Jesus appeared to Mary and it changed everything and it suddenly became a happy Easter. But it wasn't a happy Easter for lots of people, for the disciples who were hiding in an upper room fearful of their own lives. Uh, That Easter morning didn't start off very happily for John and we're going to hear something of his story now. One look, that's all it took. One look, and I knew beyond all doubt that God was at work, that Jesus was alive. I should have known sooner, of course, for he told us what to expect often enough. But when the hammer blow fell, we could not see beyond our tears. Our tears were blinding our minds as well as our eyes. It was when Mary came bursting in beside herself with excitement that the mist started to clear, that his words about death and resurrection came flooding back, rekindling a flame that had all been extinguished. Around then, as I'd never run before, hope lending wings to my feet, heart pounding within me, the curious mixture of fear and exhilaration. I wanted so much to believe it was true. Only I was afraid it might be some cruel hoax 
or a fancy of the imagination, a trick of the mind, or worse still, of our enemies. But when I got to the tomb just before Peter and looked inside and saw the abandoned grave clothes, I knew and my spirit soared in jubilation. He was not there. He had risen just as he promised. Death was not able to have that final word. And suddenly, everything fitted into place. The heartache, the hurt, the humiliation. It was all meant to be. All part of God's sovereign plan. Where we had seen only darkness, he had brought light. Where we'd seen only death, he had brought life. Everything was turned upside down, transformed, renewed. And here was I sharing in the wonder of resurrection. One look. That's all it took. Just one look. And life was changed forever. Nothing would ever be the same again. So again, we see a day that started off in uh, misery and uh, and disbelief is suddenly turned around and changed. And what wasn't a very happy Easter for John uh, couldn't be a happy Easter until he knows the risen Jesus is alive. I love the fact that, uh, that Peter and John race to the tomb. Something very manly about that, the, the competitiveness. Uh, who's going to get there first? And uh, John can't help, even in his gospel, writing about fantastic things. He can't help mentioning the fact that he beat Peter to the tomb. Uh, I don't know about you, but I can, uh, I can identify with that. Um, uh, we hate it when we lose, don't we? Uh, There's something competitive. But there was that excitement that was driving them. The possibility, the news that just maybe Jesus was alive. And they have that dash to the tomb. And I love the fact that when John gets there, um, even before he meets the risen Christ, when he sees the empty tomb and the grave clothes neatly folded, he knows immediately that Jesus is alive. I wonder whether you've peered into that empty tomb. I wonder whether you know what John knew. Because we can't see Jesus. We can hear people tell of the fact that he is alive, but we cannot see for ourselves. And like John, we have to peer into that empty tomb. We have to examine the evidence and we have to make up our minds. Can we believe the miracle of the resurrection For John, it just took one look. For Peter and some of the others, they needed to look again and again before they could come to that moment of knowing. It's funny, isn't it? Sometimes uh, you work at things and you try to work it out. Maybe it's a sum, maybe it's a riddle, maybe it's something that's going on in your life. And suddenly there's a moment, isn't there, when everything falls into place, when it suddenly clicks And you understand and you get it. And that's what happened to John on that first Easter Sunday morning. When he looks into the empty tomb, suddenly everything made sense. Everything fell into place. And he knew beyond any doubt that Jesus was no longer dead, that he was alive. Again, a day that didn't start off 
as a very happy Easter turns into a remarkably happy day as John discovers the truth that Jesus is alive. Not a happy Easter for, didn't start off well for Mary, didn't start off well for any of the disciples. And especially it wasn't a happy Easter for Thomas. And uh, we're going to hear something of uh, Thomas's story now. I know what they say, that I'm impulsive, bullheaded, loyal but not very bright, Thomas the twin. His brother got the brains. Well, that's as maybe, but faith has nothing to do with brains, just as believing has little to do with seeing. And I did believe in him, enough to want to die with him, even before I knew who he was. I was with him from the beginning. And I can tell you it was not three years of palm branches and hosannas. I didn't understand him. I didn't understand his trial. I didn't understand Pilate. I didn't understand why he had to die and why it had to be such a horrible death. But I did understand this. There's only one sort of man comes down from a cross. And that's a dead man. That I do know. And I wasn't the only one that didn't believe he'd come back. Nobody believed Mary Magdala. It's an idle tale, they said. A woman's grief, they said. And I couldn't understand that. But they kept on insisting until I could bear it no longer, until I shouted at them, I don't believe you. Unless I can see his hands and place my finger in the mark of the nails, I will not believe. Then he came. That familiar face, that quiet voice. Shalom, he said. Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Stop doubting and believe. Oh, if I had the word to tell you what I saw, for I saw everything and nothing in the bat of an eye. I saw lepers and blind men, the sick, the lame. I saw Lazarus waking and storm-still waters I saw crowds and teaching, saw him break bread and say, this is my body. But most of all, I saw him. And at the same time realized I knew nothing. That eternity would not be deep enough to sound the depths of the man before me. In his wounds were chasms of love with shafts so deep I knew could not be measured. A waterfall of revelation had cascaded over me. I could not move. I could only pray, my Lord and my God. Easter day didn't start too well for Thomas. He just couldn't bring himself to believe. He couldn't understand what was going on. He couldn't make sense of all that had happened. And he wasn't going to believe just because others told him he should do. Anybody ever tell you what to believe? Richard, you've got to believe this. You must believe that. Surely you believe this. 
I don't know about you, but I can really identify with Thomas because, uh, you know, I've got to admit it, I'm, I'm sceptical about things. You know, people tell me uh, wonderful things and I don't want to be sceptical, but there's something within us sometimes, isn't there, that says, did that really happen? Can it be true? You say this person was, was healed miraculously. We want to believe, but there's something within us that actually stops us believing. Yeah, Thomas was, was sceptical. I, I suspect he, he'd always been sceptical. He, he wasn't going to believe uh, tales of, of big fish and, uh, and other sort of things unless he experienced it for himself. And I guess many of us can identify with Thomas. Um, why should we believe? Just because somebody tells us to believe. Each one of us is, uh, is probably something within us. Reacts to that, being told what to do. Uh, from our early school days. I'll let you into a little secret. I, I won't tell you who, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd gone to an, an aw- it's a sad story, this. I'd gone to an awful lot of uh, trouble this morning. I'd been up at six o'clock, which felt more like five, I don't know why. And uh, being up the hill in, in the freezing cold, minus five, somebody said, in the car park. I thought, Easter day, I'll make a, a bit of an effort, and I put a suit on and a, and a tie. And somebody said to me, Richard, please tuck your shirt in. <laughs> and somebody else said, it's, it's, that, it's that rebellious child within you, isn't it, that doesn't like being told what to do. We don't like being told what to do, do we? Something within us reacts to that. And Thomas was not going to be told what to do. He wasn't going to be told what to believe. And he says those words that he'll always be remembered for, unless I place my hands in the hands of Jesus in his side, unless I see for myself, I'm not going to believe. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you say, it's okay, Richard, saying, singing all these wonderful songs about Jesus is alive and he's risen and jumping up and down and, and having a laugh with the kids. But unless I see and meet the risen Jesus for myself, I'm not going to believe. Do you know what? It's okay to say that. That's what I said before I became a Christian. When people told me about Jesus, I said, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it for myself. But I did one thing. I asked, I asked God to reveal himself to me. And he did. And if you haven't met the risen Jesus this morning, ask him to reveal himself to you. And he will. Look into his word. Read the gospel stories. And you will find the risen Jesus Christ comes alive in the reading of the story. God will speak to you. For Thomas, uh, it couldn't be a happy Easter until he believes in the risen Jesus Christ. It wasn't going to be a happy Easter until he came to that moment of belief for himself. We all come to belief in different ways. There isn't one track. There isn't one route that we have to take. We all have different stories. If we were to get people up and to tell their stories about how they met the risen Jesus Christ, they would all be different and wonderful and amazing and ordinary and simple because... That's how it is. Because Jesus meets us where we are. He meets who we are. He relates to us in ways that we can understand. Thomas couldn't make sense and couldn't understand, but it didn't matter because he met 
and saw the risen Jesus Christ. And like John and like Mary, suddenly everything made sense. Suddenly the penny drops. Suddenly he could believe. If you've not experienced that amazing suddenly moment for yourself, talk to people, ask somebody, read the scriptures, because it's a life-changing moment. The disciples were never the same again. They went from 12 scared people and they took on the world. They took the gospel out and we're here today because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And because people did exactly what Jesus said to Mary and to the disciples, go and tell somebody else. Go and tell other people. And the Christian church has been doing that for 2,000 years. And we continue to tell the great, the wonderful, the amazing news that Jesus is alive. Not a happy Easter for us. Not a happy Easter for us. We can say the greeting, but it won't be a happy Easter for us until we meet the risen Jesus. It won't be a happy Easter for us until we know that the risen Jesus is alive. It won't be a happy Easter for us until we believe for ourselves that Jesus is alive. And so, when I say to you, Happy Easter, I hope you know what I mean. But just in case you don't, I've got somebody who can say it for me, if you watch the screen.